Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rukshak. Welcome to the 10th episode of NFL Masala where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. And by the way Anant, happy 10th episode. Happy 10th episode to you too, buddy. Let's go. We're going to try and make it to 100 now. That's our next milestone. <laughs> yes, let's do it. Get no get and and, te- and technically we'll raise the bat and remove the helmet to celebrate that century. Hell yes. Hell yes. All right. So now today we are going to get started with some Damakeda news and we do we have some Damakeda news for you guys today. And then after that we are going to do a breakdown of the NFC West division. So Let's get started with our news. First off, Kyler Murray has now signed a five-year extension worth $230.5 million, where $105 million is guaranteed at signing, $160 million is guaranteed on injury, and this makes him the second highest uh, paid QB on average value per year with his average being $46.1 million. And this is going to last him through the 2028 season. And interestingly, there is a clause that says he must have four hours of weekly film study or he will not be, you know, credited for this. And this will be tabulated against his, uh, his credit. And the reason why this is so interesting is because this clause, where it's requiring a player to study more outside of team meetings, is unusual, if not unprecedented. That too, the star quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals. This is basically Cliff Kingsbury and the front office saying, beta, do your homework because his attention has been drawn (laughs) elsewhere, such as playing video games, watching TV, or browsing the internet. Oh, yeah. Tell me about it. And you know what's even more embarrassing, Anand? The fact that this clause got released. Yeah. And, And like... I'm thinking to the Cardinals, why, why do you do this? And Kyler Murray, you know what? Like before I even go and diagnose this, 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 uh, I don't know what to call this, but you know, this kind of reminds me of Anand. This reminds me, mm-hmm. I, I was, I would like to imagine what exactly happened in the room. I mean, you know what? Let's imagine this scenario, ladies and gentlemen. I myself will be Kyler, and you will be some distinguished member of the Arizona Cardinals front staff. All right, hello guys. Um, what's what's going to be the update? What's what's happening with my contract? Well, Kyler, we have a couple of updates for you, and it's not going to be pretty because you know what, Beta? Yes. We are not happy with you. Oh no! What I do? I've been I've been doing good. I've been balling. Yeah, but that's not the only thing. The thing is, we are praying and hoping that you are not distracted otherwise because we've been getting reports that you've been playing too many video games, son. What? How? This is supposed to be a secret, FaZe Clan. What are you doing? And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, he's actually signed to an actual contract with FaZe Clan, which is an actual gaming group. You see, this, you can't keep secrets from us. We are all knowing, and we are your parents, you little child. You need to learn that there are consequences. And so now, you are going to sign a contract that says, if you do not personally study the provided material in good faith, there will be consequences that you have never heard of. So face the humiliation and get this done why i'm only 24 years old man i'm i've been leading you guys to the playoffs after a long time even with this ragtag offense yeah well this offense can do just fine without you no this could this would have been something like that but 
You know what, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> I'll leave this to your imagination on this one. But my God, like uh, I think as far as ever, I think everyone may also know this, but um, I used to play football in middle school as a wide receiver. Even back then, like even though we didn't have tape, we had to study our mistakes, what we did wrong on the field, and things that we need to do to improve. Correct? That's basic knowledge. If Kyler Murray's not doing that, what is this saying about the front office with the Cardinals? What is this saying about the entire team of the Cardinals? But um, anyways, I have another breaking news, and this is going to infuriate the rest of the NFL except for one team. Anand, brace yourself. Veteran wide receiver Julio Jones has found a new home. He has signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Wednesday. And he joins a wide receiver group with the Bucs that includes holdovers with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller, Burchard Perryman, Russell Gage, who a fellow Falcon. And uh, I don't even know. Uh, uh, and, and apparently... You like, are at a loss for words. Yes. And remember, like, this is the same Julio Jones who was a baller, like a legit star in Atlanta, evenly the Falcons to that unfortunate 28-3 loss to the Patriots and Brady. However, he signed last year with the Titans and only appeared in 10 games because of injuries with 31 receptions for 434 yards and just one touchdown. What do you think about this, Anant? Why, why, why you do this? To us, Julio, you know, this this repeatedly happens where there are reports that the Packers are in the hunt and are in the finals for um, getting a free agent wide receiver. Last year was OBJ. This year, it's Julio Jones. And he goes and signs with Tom Brady. And you know what's going to happen? Julio Jones is going to have the ability to score a game-winning touchdown in the NFC Championship this year against the Packers. And what's going to happen is Julio Jones is not going to make that catch as Tom Brady throws it to him. He's just going to turn around and he's going to flip the bird at Tom Brady and say, this is for 28-3. to <laughs> And then we're going to go to the Super Bowl. That's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Oh, man. If Tom Grassi was listening to this, I think he'd be, like, really happy. <laughs> exactly. All right, now moving on to the third bit of news. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is in an interesting pickle at this point because Kyle Shanahan basically said to the team that they are they have moved on to Trey Lance as the starter, and that is now going to make Jimmy Garoppolo on the trade block potentially. Maybe, you know, San Francisco keeps him as just a veteran backup, but... Um, yeah, there are a bunch of trade rumors that you know he's going to get traded outside of uh, outside of the NFC West, and uh, Trey Lance is going to be the singular starter. But that's basically what's happened. Kyle Shanahan, in his uh, press conference, has just stated that you know they're moving on to Trey Lance as the starter, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was told of this, and you know it's just a business decision, and you got to move on. I agree, definitely. And the thing is, I'll be discussing more about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation and, and what this does with the 49ers later on as we do our NFC West breakdown. But overall, this is this is a big moment for Trey Lance. So, you, I mean, there's a reason why the 49ers drafted you number three overall. And now that you're like the future, I think you've broken like multiple records set by Carson Wentz at North Dakota State. But the thing is, they're trusting a lot of responsibility for... Um, for Trey Lance to run the offense. So it'll be very interesting to see how the season goes along. Exactly. And last but not least, I think this may be the first um, Damakedar news that we have done without a Kachara moment. This is actually a mm -hmm. first. And I thought this was really cool, but um, longtime wide receiver Danny Amendola has decided to retire from the NFL despite receiving multiple interests from multiple teams this offseason. And he spent, and I mean, think about this career, man. This this man um, spent 13 years in the league, stints with the Rams, Patriots, Dolphins, Lions, and the Texans, 
He won two Super Bowl titles with the Patriots in 2014 and 2016. And, and, and you know what? He finishes his career with 617 receptions for 6,212 yards, 24 touchdowns. And, and one more thing. You know what university he learned this all from? You want to know what Your it is? Your alma mater? Yes. The one and only Texas Tech University Red Raiders. This guy, this man was part of like the like of Texas Tech legendary wide receivers like in Wes Welker and Michael Crabtree. And I believe he played like some roles for like Cliff Kingsbury. And some of his stats, 50 games played in the 204 receptions, 2,246 yards, averaging 11 yards per catch, and 15 touchdowns in total. What That's a career. Impressive. What a career for you, man. And apparently, his and last but not least, his best year was his senior year in which he was overshadowed by his teammate, Michael Crabtree. But he, and he recorded for 109 catches, 1,245 yards, six touchdowns. Congratulations on a wonderful career, Danny Amendola. And as always, Reckham, Texas Tech. Well said. Congratulations to Danny Amendola, two-time Super Bowl champion. Now on to the breakdown of the NFC West. We're going to start with the rankings. And, you know, from my side, this is pretty obvious. The Rams are going to be the best team in the division. You know, the Seahawks, they don't have Russell Wilson anymore, and I'm going to get to them later on. Um, 49ers, Trey Lance is basically a rookie uh, quarterback starting at this point. You know, Cardinals, you still have Kyler Murray, but, you know, they're up in the air. But And, and, and that's why the Rams are going to be uh, the first team in this division probably number one in the nfc itself because they restocked their their offense and their defense a little bit and they made a couple of key moves that i'm going to talk about in the offseason acquisition section and that's why i think they're they're probably going to win 13 to 14 games just your usual rams being the best team in the league nonsense now it's going to be interesting to see who's the second best team in this division because i think it's between the cardinals and the 49ers and i just believe the cardinals have a leg up on the 49ers not because of the better team but because of the better quarterback we don't know how trey lance is actually in a uh, a long consecutive period We've seen him flash uh, a couple times during the preseason and, you know, I think one game, one or two games uh, last year. But we haven't seen him consistently perform well. So the Cardinals, I think, are going to be the second team in this division, probably winning 11, 12 games, maybe 10 games if their offense doesn't really uh, fire as much. And the 49 probably going to be, you know, the third team in this division. And that's because, you know, Trey Lance. Basically, they're on the edge of being a winning team or a losing team. And the reason why I'm picking them to be a winning team and maybe a wild card uh, spot is because they are pretty stacked if we look at their roster, right? You know, Debo Samuel, if all goes well, he's probably going to be coming back. Uh, you also have Brandon Ayuk. They said that they're going to be a running back by committee and their running backs are pretty good. Their defense is, you know, very solid. Um, I'm gonna get into this in terms of the in terms of some of the stats that they had last year. And that's pretty much why I think they're going to win at least like nine, ten games, but they're still going to be a little bit worse off from the Cardinals unless Trey Lance just balls out. Then they have the ability to become better than the Cardinals. But I just don't think that they're capable of beating the Rams because the Rams just have too much potential they're the super bowl champions they've restocked their team you know they're they still maintain the same you know offensive uh, uh base head coach qb combination so that hasn't changed that much and um yeah that's why rams first uh cardinal second 49ers third and obviously seahawks last because when you have drew lock as your starting qb and geno smith as your backup and god knows who else as your as your depth chart for your qb Nothing good is going to come of that. So Seahawks are probably going to be the worst teams in the league next year. Probably going to have a top five pick mm -hmm. uh, because I just don't trust Drew Locke. And so those are my rankings. Rams first, probably 14 games win. Um, 
locking up the number one seed in the NFC. Cardinals being the second at probably 11 or 12 wins. 49ers being third at probably 9 or 10 wins. And then Seahawks being last with probably a top five pick overall next year. Where they actually should get a QB. What do you think, Rakshak? Okay. Well, I I see your um I, I see your rankings and I raise you one more. In this case, I am actually number one is I mean, it's no brainer. It's the St. Louis, I mean the Los Angeles Rams. I almost said St. Louis. Almost because, out of there. Almost yeah, out of there. I, I blame I, I still blame Stan Crocky for making that kind of and, and for making mm-hmm. my my Premier League team Arsenal Arsenaling. Meaning they do so well, yet when it comes to to matter the most, like to be ranked top five, you just screw it up. That's what they are. That's what Cronky does. But anyways, I'll go Rams number one because, I mean, of course, they're the returning Super Bowl champions. They re-signed a lot of their players from that Super Bowl winning roster, and they made some excellent um, excellent additions. Anand um, will get to get more into that later and i think one of the biggest ones being is alan robinson and i think like with that that defense like with aaron donald returning back and and getting bobby wagner while letting go of von miller it's it's like you're losing one strong piece yet you're adding another one so it's like it's like what the heck is like they have like so much and there's like a couple of draft picks i like that the rams got You'll get to that later. But honestly, if you were to look at their schedule, 13, 14 wins to NFC, uh, number one ranked NFC team. Hopefully they'll be the ones that beat the Buccaneers. I'm calling mm-hmm. it all. I'm, I'm calling it now. Just like um, Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan's like, I'm calling both games. It's like, I'm calling yes. this game Rams. Yes. <laughs> and then next I have is the 49ers. Of course, you said the the biggest question mark is gonna be Trey Lance, but I honestly think Trey Lance um, will be in a better position because he sat out for one full year under while Jimmy Garoppolo took lead of the offense. He has an idea what kind of offense he will he'll need to run, and remember he'll be making his first full year start and and this is a guy who is a two-time fcs champion in north dakota state aka the carson wentz school and remember he's like a he can also play dual threat as in like he can he's not only a deep cannon arm but he's also a um he can also run and break and break through the pocket and i'll get more into trey lance but and i also think that's the 49ers have made some good great additions on defense which is going to be a going to be a little bit more of the reason why i will have them over the cardinals i see the 49ers winning about um 10 to 12 games possible wild card cardinals will be like tweener but because it would all have to depend upon how Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury does in November, December. It's this like they go full Texas Tech. In, and remember, ladies and gentlemen, never go full Texas Tech, meaning you do so well in the very beginning. Like you start off really, really hot, like a 10-game, 11-game winning streak. And then all of a sudden, in the beginning or near the end of November, you start tanking to, to disappointment. That's mm-hmm. what happened. And of course, there have been some recent news regarding with the Cardinals, and I will actually get back. So hang on tight, ladies and gentlemen. It'll be coming pretty soon. And then last but not least, the Seahawks. You really should I say anything more? You lost Russell Wilson, and who are you keeping? Oh yeah, Drew Locke and Geno Smith. Dot 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 dot. Do I know these guys? Hell no. I mean, do you guys know them too? Probably not. And I mean, they're backup QBs pretty much. Yeah. Oh, and this could be a potential trading spot for Jimmy Garoppolo. So who knows? Mm -hmm. But then again, like with the record, I could see, I can only see the Seahawks aiming, winning, getting close to tank bowl top five, top five pick. Yeah. I'll give it 
top five pick. Their defense <clears throat> will improve because of some additions, but that's pretty much it. Nothing new. Yep. Yep. So that concludes our rankings for the NFC West. Now on to the uh, offseason acquisitions and firings. I'm going to get started with the Rams. Now, <clears throat> after winning the Super Bowl, right, they let go of their previous OC, uh, Kevin O'Connell, who is now the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings or the Purple Incarnations of Satan, courtesy of Tom Grassi. Um, and now they have a new offensive coordinator named Liam Cohn. And a little bit about Liam Cohn. He was Rhode Island's Gatorade Player of the Year in high school. In his final season, he led uh, LaSalle Academy, excuse me, by uh, throwing for 2,341 yards and 26 touchdowns with a 10-2 record. And he was apparently Victor Cruz's roommate. So, you know, Cruz was uh, Cohn's favorite target in 2008 leading the team with 71 catches, 1,064 yards, and six touchdowns. Um, and he actually holds six career passing records at UMass. Um, in four years as a starter, he's totaled 11,031 yards as passing. That's a school record, but it's not the only one he's hol uh, he holds. He has the highest passing efficiency, uh, apparently at 152.92. He has a career passing percentage um, at 63.9% as the most. He has the most completions, attempts, and touchdowns as well. And he, before uh, becoming a part of the Rams in 2018, he also coached at five different universities. And so he has that experience on the college side in terms of innovation in the offense because typically college football has more innovation than the NFL. And so, you know, he does have that experience. And But he also has experience with the Rams because he's been with the Rams uh, as part of Sean McVay's staff from 2018 to 2020. He was the assistant wide receivers coach in 2018 to 2019 before transitioning to the assistant QBs coach in 2020. This basically says that, you know, he's had experience on the offensive side as both a player in college and as a coach in the NFL. And so we'll see how Liam Cohen uh, instructs uh, the new Rams offense this year and you know there are some you know some some indications that he might be a head coaching candidate uh candidate a couple of years down the line now that's what they did on the coaching staff now in terms of players Andrew Whitworth retired recently um so a stalwart of the offensive line for the Rams for a long long time he retires having a fantastic career and a Super Bowl champion. So congratulations to him. After Whitworth retired, this is the interesting thing. Um, they have a young, sort of inexperienced offensive line. Um, so we'll see how they play without Whitworth as the veteran experience. Um, let's see you know, how Matthew Stafford handles the pressure from this young offensive line. But... To help Matthew Stafford, they went out and signed Allen Robinson as a replacement for releasing OBJ. And it's a three-year deal for Allen Robinson. So now their wide receiving core is fantastic. You know, it's just a slap in the face to every other team. You have Cooper Cup. You have Allen Robinson. You have Van Jefferson as a good number three. And then you you have Tutu Atwell from their um, pick last year. So they have a great one-two punch at wide receiver. They then traded for Troy Hill from Cleveland uh, to fill up their cornerback uh, spot. So now their cornerbacks are Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, and David Long, who had a couple of, uh, you know, flashy plays last year and then you have your safeties as taylor rapp and jordan fuller and so they also signed eric weddle for some reason um and then they signed bobby wagner as their uh middle linebacker and that just means the rest of the nfc are in trouble because they basically just said hey we are going to get better 
And we are going to, you know, make sure that we don't uh, recede post our Super Bowl victory. And that's that's basically what they did. Now, they didn't draft anybody of uh, that was noteworthy. That's because they didn't have a first or second round pick. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the Rams just retooled and restocked their team. And we'll see. They, they probably have the best chance of repeating this year. Um, because of the fact that they made all these acquisitions and the interesting thing is how um how the offense is going to maintain its consistency from last year and you know if you know um Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay can improve in year 2 of their offense so that was that for the Rams they just retooled and they're ready to go what about the 49ers Nakshak? Yes, definitely. It's going to, I mean, I'm actually excited to see what this kind of Rams wide receiving core is going to be. So anyone on fantasy football, I would keep an eye on Allen Robinson, Matt Stafford, and May, and Cooper Cup. Those will be my three fantasy picks that I have. If you can drop those guys, you're pretty much set. <laughs> Anyways, about the 49ers. Um, before before we get into the players, let's talk. Oh, they made, um, <clears throat> and they made like fourteen additions and changes to their co- coaching staff. And some of their big departures was, of course, Mike Mike McDaniel, and who was the offensive coordinator for the Forty ers who is now the new head coach for the Miami Dolphins. He gets to bring that type of offense he run with Jimmy Garoppolo to, to a Dolphins team led by Tua Tagovailoa and with additional weapons in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. And, and another big departure I saw was wide receivers coach and fellow Texas Tech alumni and Patriots wide receiver Wes Welker and, and also Rich Rich Richard Hightower, special teams coordinator, he had a very, very dismal year. However, these are t- um, out of the new hires. There are two big names, and Anand, I want you to hear those names: Brian Greasy, quarterbacks coach, mm. and Anthony Lynn, assistant head coach with the running backs. Wow. Yeah, remember like. It for for those that um that have been like my age, we all remember Brian Greasy as one of the Broncos quarterbacks. He did he played backup for John Elway, and then led the and then he became starter, led the Broncos to a Super Bowl win over the Falcons back then. And since then, he's been um he's stepped away from the broadcast booth. He's now going to be helping. This is his first ever coaching job, and he's going to be helping Trey Lance develop that start that QB role, and as well as how to progress. And now Anthony Lynn, but um, he will be he's a remember he's a former Chargers coach, who I believe he unceremoniously got fired. But then again, he underperformed near the end of the year with the Chargers, and so he'll be replacing Bobby Turner. Who who is taking the 2022 season? And of course, we've all we always understood that Jim that Trey Lance will be starting over Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think this is going to be a huge notice. We're putting you as a starter now. Show us what you can do because we made that group, and he'll be backed up by Jimmy Garoppolo unless a trade. And of course, the legend Nate Sudfeld. He was responsible for that tank ball game against the Washington football team during the COVID <laughs> year, which forced the Giants out of the playoffs. So thank you, Sudfeld. You'll always have a special place in my heart. <laughs> and of course, Brock Purdy, Iowa State quarterback. And and by the way, did you if you guys don't know, he was this year's Mr. Irrelevant, which is given to the very last pick of the NFL draft. So, Mr. Relevant, have some fun. And and base and with Trey Lance, he should have some good weapons as long especially with in the returning Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson and with some additional draft draft signings which I'll get to later. However, the biggest weapons that he still has is a big monster in George Kittle. I believe he's like one of the top 3. I believe he's like a top 3 tight end. 
And then you have Jawan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. Now, the biggest question is going to be on Debo Samuel because he is still technically wanting a better role. Reason being is last year, because of Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations as a quarterback, we usually saw Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel play a dual role, both as a running back and both as a wide receiver. And this was one of his better years. In his stats, 77 receptions, tied 24th. 1,405 yards, fifth in the in this NFL season, only six touchdowns and averaging 18 yards per game, which is ridiculous. And I honestly feel for Debo Samuel, knowing that he wants to be more of a um, of a wide receiver, but you're de- you're going to be dealing with a new QB. So the question is, should Debo Samuel like if he gets a, a better contract and Shanahan? And him work things out. Anand, I got that question for you. Should Debo Samuel still continue to play the same role? Or should he or should they honor his request to play more wide receiver? Because that's what the that's the position he wants to be groomed. He wants to be more specialized in. You know, I I think he should play the uh, role that he has currently because there's some stats that that he has that I'm gonna talk about later that are just mind blowing for, for what he does. And um, his role as a running back slash wide receiver is just phenomenal. So, you know, I feel like I hate going against a player's wishes, but honestly they should keep playing him the way they're playing him as a wide receiver and as a running back, because he's just a, a really good athletic talent that you can't really get in a wide receiver. Hmm. Uh- that's definitely a good point to make out and and with this we we have to first look at a couple of departures and and departures and signings number one charvarius ward former kansas city cornerback this gives the 49ers an additional starter and it helps with the team's depth and gives them flexibility in their search for a slot corner he can also play both outside and this is coming to a team that has lacked a cor- a good cornerback depth since the Super Bowl. And they also signed wide receiver Ray Ray McLeod with more this is more of a special team's help because he'll be taking over like for return duties. He may play a gadget role. If Debo Samuel still wants to be the what if he still wants to be wide receiver. And and another and another major signing that they got was a like Kerry Hyder. He led the 49ers back then in 2020 with a career high 8.5 sacks. Now that he's back, I think he'll be, I think he helps that line with Nick Bosa, who I believe is is still a boss. I think he's better than his brother. And this might be saying something else, but you know what? I'm gonna say Nick Bosa is gonna have a better year than his brother for sure. Because he'll be more, he'll be healthy this year. And that. And, and that San and that San Francisco four three defense is going to look terrifying. However, there are some big losses that they had in free agency. One of them being D Ford, who has recently been cut, thirty one years old, coming from injury. And another big one is Raheem Mostert, one of their star running backs. However, he was very injured. He was injured last year. So we saw like a lot of mix of Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson, and Debo Samuel. So now he follows Mike McDaniel to Miami, and Mostert averaged like 5.7 yards per carry, 284 attempts to the Niners, but he missed out 25 games in the last two seasons. And another big one that they lost was um, Arden Key, whom I believe he played defensive end, However, he revived his career with 6.5 sacks last season. He's and he goes to Jacksonville Jaguars for seven million dollars. And recently, I talked about this in the NFC East um, breakdown. Jaquiski Tart, one-year deal to the Eagles. He was one of the big free big safeties who unfortunately made that drop at that NFC Championship game, which led the Rams to win that Super Bowl. However, and to make up for all of that. 49ers are planning to go more into a running back by committee approach, which I 
which I can understand things like this happening. But some big moves that I saw in the um, in the draft makes ooh, ooh, I thought was really good. Number one, in the, in the second round, they were able to get linebacker Drake Jackson, who can also play edge. And I think this is a good value there because of the departures by Arden Key to Jacksonville and D Ford being released recently. And they also add in another good running back in Tyron Davis Price, who was drafted in the third round. And he and apparently, um, according to Steve Munich of his pre, he has a good combination of size, agility, top end speed. Sharp cut ends without losing momentum gets better with each carry. I think this will be a good, his size and speed will be good, definitely helpful for the 49ers round game. Anyway, with some of the returners like um, Fred War- with Fred Warner um, and Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and new additions like Drake Jackson and a lot and a lot more defensive players on that side, I think this 49ers will be a really good, this 49ers team is going to be a little bit more stronger. So, I think I'm just going to end it and wrap it up, my bad, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. No problem. So now on to the sea chickens, um, uh, as I lovingly call them. Sorry, Mina. You're Kimes. still calling that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Sea chickens for the win. Um, so, fuck, you know, fuck, fuck, the biggest fuck. thing <laughs> the biggest <laughs> thing is they lost Russell Wilson. And the reason why is because they're stupid. They kept uh, <laughs> Pete Carroll. I don't know why. They traded Russell Wilson in his prime. He's still better than whatever QB option that they have right now. I just don't understand what they're doing. They uh, hired a new uh, defensive coordinator named Clint Hurt, who's going to put the hurt on opposing offenses. Pun completely intended. Um, And the biggest thing is, uh, during the offseason, as I mentioned before, they traded away Russell Wilson for... A huge bag of Cheetos, you know, a couple of draft picks from this year and next year. Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, and Drew Locke. And they not only did they lose Russell Wilson, they lost Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder, and Bobby Wagner. For some reason, they lost a key part of their defense. Um, they recently had uh, KJ Wright uh, assigned him for a one-day contract so that he can retire. Uh, so good on them for that. Just, you know, recognizing the Legion of Boom. And apparently Chris Carson, unfortunately, has retired due to his injuries. And um, that's that's an unfortunate, you know, incident that's happened because Chris Carson, when he's healthy, is a really good running back. So th- there's a reason why, you know, they drafted Kenneth Walker when they did. Um, and... You know, speaking of draft picks, they drafted Charles Cross as a as as you know one of the good things that they've done during this offseason. The wrong timing for drafting a fantastic you know potential um, uh, uh, right tackle because you lost Russell Wilson. You should have done this a long time ago to protect him, but you didn't. So you're stupid, sea chickens. Um, you know, boy, Mafe, they drafted as a uh, edge rusher and Kobe Bryant as the only notable, you know, draft picks that they've had. And as I mentioned before, they uh, had KJ Wright, who retired. Now, in terms of acquisitioning new players, they did bring in a bunch of quarter, uh, cornerbacks, excuse me, and uh, defensive backs. Basically, they brought in Sidney Jones from the Eagles. Josh Jones from the Packers and Artie Burns from the Steelers. Then they brought in Uchenna Nwosu from the Chargers as a uh, outside linebacker and Quinton Jefferson as a inside D tackle. They also re-signed a couple of their uh, key pieces, especially Quandre Diggs, uh, Justin Coleman, and you know Rashad Penny for some reason. Um, when you have Kenneth Walker, I guess like Rashad Penny could be a a one-two punch, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker, but they have a lot to improve on. Um, and that's pretty much what the Seed Chickens did. They made the stupidest move that you could possibly make by letting go of Russell Wilson and keeping Pete Carroll. But they did start to improve their um, their their roster as a whole by plugging in some of those holes. But, 
you still have Drew Locke and Geno Smith as your potential starting QB. So as I mentioned before, this is not going to help them this year. They're officially rebuilding and they need to get a star starting quarterback uh, next year, either via trade for a veteran or drafting a QB next year. And they have the draft picks now, so they should be able to draft him. Um, but that's that's pretty much what the Seed Chickens did this offseason. So what did the Cardinals do, Doc Shuck? Oh, wow. That is a lot of big news regarding the, sea, the Seahawks. Man, I'm about to start calling them Seed Chickens now. You know, do like it. when you do it, we need to. Okay. Well, I actually have barbecue sauce. So, hey, you know what? <laughs> if anyone's like likes vegan sea chickens, then I got yeah. BBQ ready. Anyway, what the Cardinals do? Oh my goodness, this this really pains me to say this, but I honestly think that this is the biggest move. Like the big the all, the entire big news that we heard about the Cardinals was just now. Kyler Murray's new contract, mm-hmm. but he, you better do the homework. <laughs> I mean, ah, I mean, th- this is like a segment for, come on, man. Yes. The, like, literally, like, just do your homework, man. That's all I'm going to say. And there's a, and also, like, this is what I heard, like, during OTAs or um, one big news that occurred during play, um, during the offseason. We all know about DeAndre Hopkins' suspension. However, during the draft, the Cardinals traded one of their first round picks to the Ravens in order to get, to get another wide receiver in Marquise Hollywood Brown. However, during practice, Hollywood Brown is now on the injury list. Oof. Talk about bad luck. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, god damn, this gotta hurt. I mean, and of course, he's escaped. I mean, but the thing is, like, once he's healthy, hopefully it's minor. I don't I don't wish ill on any player. Like, because they're professional athletes. And exactly. I mean, he had and he had like um in last year he had 91 receptions, thousand eight yards, six touchdowns, eleven point one average. How and this is and these are like very low stats because it was a type of offense that the Ravens were running with Lamar Jackson as QB. And this will be later, later on, but this is more of a run heavy. But now that you're going with the Fal- with the Cardinals, which I think they're still gonna go full Texas Tech, meaning they go air rate and air rate type of offense. Heavy passing, a little bit on the running, a little bit on the rushing, and and you and you cross your fingers, hope hope to God that your defense just handles or prevents one score from them the opponents taking the lead. As a Texas Tech guy, I would know because I have lived through that trauma when Cliff Kingsbury was a was our head coach. And I need therapy for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah. Some of the big moves that I saw, like according to like the Cardinals free agency tracker, some of the big moves that they've lost was Jordan Hicks, linebacker to the purple incarnations of Satan. Man, I'm already catching on to this. I think this is mm-hmm. going to be rolled tip of the tongue. And mm-hmm. Christian Kirk, wide receiver to the Jaguars for the most ridiculous, which started the wide receiver contract hell zone. Mm-hmm. Like literally. Why even sign that deal? And they also lost Chandler Jones, who can play both linebacker and defensive end. I believe he's now with the Las Vegas Raiders. However, they were able to re-sign um, Zach Ertz, tight end and former Eagles, former Eagles player, Super Bowl champion, special special person in my heart. Resigned James Conner, good um, good serviceable running back, and AJ Green. To a one and AJ Green wide receiver to a one year deal. They also offer tenures to Antoine Wesley wide receiver and running back Jonathan Ward. So, good couple of backups for sure. And so and some of the big move and some of the moves that the Cardinals made in the offs in, in the draft, they focused a lot on the linebacker, guard, corners, and running back positions. Notably, they signed Trey McBride second with their second pick from Colorado State i believe he was like the rank, the number one ranked tight end in the draft 
that, and I think this is this is going to be a serviceable backup because Ertz, it, Ertz is getting older. Although he signed to a three-year deal, and Max Williams, the backup, is 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 really struggling to be injured. So Trey McBride is going to be much of a better threat, and he ran like a pro-style route tree at Colorado State. And another noticeable move that I saw is that they signed line outside linebacker Jesse Lucetta, sixth-round pick to play at offensive linebacker in the backup role. They all, and notably, they also got MyJ Sanders from that Cincinnati defense. He could play defensive end. And I and I think he was like one of the strong defensive ends. Um, 200, and, and he has like high top end speed, chasing with good effort. But I think it's going to be... But then again, I also thought like, why haven't you traded any... Why didn't you get like a, wide, a young wide receiver to work with and and no good elite cornerbacks, although the top ones would be taken up in the draft. And I know you addressed the um, the guard position in Marquise Hayes and Leti- and Leticus Smith, but I don't know, man. I think the Cardinals are a bit more of a question mark at this point. And and pop quiz, everyone. How will Kyler Murray improve? Ding 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 ding. Anand, give me the answer by doing his homework. Yay! Congratulations! You got a gold star, everyone. And this is and the fact that and one more thing I gotta say, the fact that you went to a bit that you moved from Texas A and M to an to a Big Twelve rival school in Oklahoma, definitely tells. Definitely, I can understand why and why you don't do your homework, guys. Such a tisk. And that's the same school that took ba- that had Baker Mayfield to begin with. And look where he's at. He's stinking right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only exception is Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. All righty. So that concludes a wonderful offseason segment for this division. And now we're going to go on to what we think each team in this division can improve on from last year. And so I'll start with the Rams. Now, there's an interesting step. Last year, on their second offensive positions in uh, in every game throughout the season, they had a negative 1.23 EPA per drive and negative 0.23 EPA per play, which is ranked 23rd in the league. And that's not huh? to say that they didn't start well. Their first... Their first offensive possessions, whenever the Rams offense first uh, came on the field for the game, were actually very successful. But the reason why their second offensive positions are so pathetically horrible is because Stad Padford throws short significantly more between the first and second offensive positions, where on the first first time, he throws 38.3% of the times he throws it short or between 1 to 10 yards. But second, uh, on his second offensive positions, he throws 56.5% of the time short. And the, and the reason why this is so bad is because it results in far more interceptions than on the first drive. Four interceptions, to be precise, on, the, on second offensive positions. And so this has to be limited if they want to have a repeat of their Super Bowl success because, you know, this defense is not going to be bailing out the offense every single time. And so this is something that they have to uh, improve on and uh, from the offensive side. And speaking of the defense, for some reason, if you have Aaron Donald on your team, why are you eighth worst at QB pressure rate per drop back? They only pressured 22.8% of the time last year, which was horrible. They weren't even as good as the Bengals. And so even with Aaron Donald, this is a very important statistic because not only does this include sacks, but this includes QB hurries, um, you know, uh, hits, QB hits, making sure that the QB faces some sort of pressure and this has got to be something that you have to improve on. You cannot be eighth worst in the league at pressuring the QB per dropback when you have Aaron Donald on your team. And okay, so those are the things. Right there. That is a big exactly. And exactly. I, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but I actually have breaking news. Huge Demarcador uh-huh. news right now. This is regarding okay. 
from our NFC West. According to Adam Schefter, the Seahawks and star wide receiver DK Metcalf have agreed to a three-year, $72 million extension that includes a $58.2 million guarantee per source. Deal includes a $30 million signing bonus, the highest ever for a wide receiver. Metcalf will be a free agent again at 27 years old. Wow. Okay, there he goes off the market. Great job, Packers, for not pursuing this guy. Fantastic job. Now, on to the 49ers from my side. Uh, they have to limit the drops. They were 11th worst in the league at 5.2% of their passes being dropped per pass attempt. So, you know, the wide receivers have got to be trained in holding on to the football even more. And, you know, this Debo Samuel is also, you know, a, a detriment to this because he's also drop prone, basically. And so even if you have Trey, uh, especially because you have Trey Lance as your starting QB, who's basically a rookie, you have got to improve on these drops on the offensive side. On the defensive side, you have to have less penalties that give up, uh, end up giving first downs to the offense because they ended up having 41 such penalties throughout the season, which was the worst across the entire league even worse than the Dallas Cowboys who were significantly penalized last year. The 49ers defense led up the most first downs on penalties last year. And that has got to be course corrected because as I said before, you have Trey Lance, who's a rookie QB. You cannot have your defenses giving the opponents fresh starts. Basically, even if you have a strong defense, this has got to be improved on and the sea chickens, you know, um, on the offensive side, Right, you have to have good quarterback play, but that's not going to happen because you guys done messed up and gotten Drew Locke as your starting QB. So good luck to you, Sea Chickens. This is what you get for um, that divisional game in 2014. This is what you get. Now, to be honest with you guys, they have to improve on protecting the QB because they were fifth worst in the league last year at allowing uh, pressure rate. And they had a pressure rate of 27.1%. Uh, and so even with Russell Wilson, you allowed 27.1% uh, of offensive snaps to be pressured uh, for, for the QB. And, you know, they did make an improvement on getting Charles Cross and, you know, trying to reinforce that line so that they can reduce this rate uh, to a much more manageable position. But, if you want Drew Locke to have at least some semblance of a good normal QB uh, season and try not to be the worst team in the league, you have got to improve on this and you have to build a scheme where you can protect the QB. More play action, less time in the pocket. Uh, the offensive line doesn't have to protect the QB for like four or five seconds, you know? Get the, get the ball out of the QB's hand quickly and make sure that you build a scheme around that. In terms of the in terms of the defense, they have got to improve their pass defense because they had the ninth highest net yards gained per pass attempt at six and a half yards. So basically, remove, removing the yards uh, from sacks and stuff like that. So basically, net yards from the offensive standpoint in terms of throwing, the they let up six and a half yards per pass attempt on average so basically on average they were allowing second and four to happen every play uh against the opposing pass offense so this is something that you have to improve on and we did see that right they re-signed quandre Diggs. they brought in uh more um more cornerbacks and we'll see how clint hurt uh creates a defensive scheme to uh, protect against this porous pass defense. And we saw that really in the first like seven or eight games last year, they were one of the, they were historically bad in, in NFL history. And last but not least, the Cardinals in terms of the offense, like you mentioned, they have to focus on their rush game. Now it's not that they aren't efficient in their rush game. They are, uh, I think around like the seventh best in terms of, a rushing success rate and a rush EPA per play. But what they do have to improve on is rush yards after contact. Now, they had um, 
1.6 rush yards after contact per rush. So this basically means if your running back goes through the offensive line on the on let's say a run play and the first time he gets hit by the opposing defense you only eke out on average one and a half more rush yards uh, uh after that first hit and that leads to the seventh worst ranking in terms of offense now if you want to be productive you have to have uh running backs who who are capable of breaking through tackles more or having a higher yards before contact rate, which basically means your offensive line has to do uh, a better job at opening up run holes, um, and your offensive and your offensive uh, um, coordinator has to create a game plan where those type of run plays allow to happen. If you want to have a more uh, more potent rushing offense and you know if you have a higher uh rush yards after contact th- this leads to potentially having more explosive run plays as we saw last week when we were discussing the eagles and so this is something that you have to improve on as a offense and on the defensive side same thing you're allowing 4.6 yards per rush to happen which is fifth worst in the league last year and so you have got to shore up that rush D. And I really didn't see that from the Cardinals during the draft. You know, sure, yeah, you got Marquise Hollywood Brown, but you didn't shore up that D line. And this is going to be a, a, a really important issue that they have to focus on, like you saw with the Chargers last year, right? Their porous rush defense was what knocked them out of the playoffs last year. Otherwise, the Raiders would have been stopped and the Chargers would have been into the playoffs. But, you know, this is something that the Cardinals have to improve on rushing on both the offense and the defensive side. And that wraps up my segment for what each team has to improve on during this division. What do you say, Rakshak? Wow. Excellent, excellent points. Anand. Um, really got to give it to you on this one, man. You did really awesome on those. And, and I think like, and it won't be like from on my side for the Rams. All I want to say is is to mainly strengthen that run game, and this is specifically for the running backs and Cam Akers and Daryl and Daryl Henderson. I we saw them like especially in the NFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. I think everyone noticed they had a lot of issues with fumbling. They need to have they need to like avoid fumbling, like avoid turning over the ball. With those mistakes but now stafford and i and i think like i also want to see alan robinson get more targets because now that but like is um because now that they still have van jefferson and cooper cup i would like to see robinson get get a little bit more of his shares and explode to be the wide receiver that he was supposed to be in chicago because he was hindered by bad quarterback play from a certain mitch trubisky Maybe Nick Foles and Justin Fields, and of course, if I'm the Rams, I would be. I, I do the smart thing: resign OBJ if you have the money. If not, um, you gotta help. You gotta in- integrate Al Robinson into the offense a little bit more faster. And when you talked about the about like having like the eighth worst at twenty two two point eight percent and not and not like attacking the the quarterback when you have Aaron Donald on your team, I got one advice for you pressure 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 i don't care what they do if you have a three four defense blitz that's what you have to do if i'm the rams 49ers my biggest question is trey lance the guy and what does kyle shanahan have to do to help especially they had them having the seventh rank overall offense according to espn averaging about 376 yards per game 25 points per game which i thought was very good however with Trey Lance coming in after technically redshirting for like a full year, they I honestly would like to see if he can make the better adjustments than what Jimmy Garoppolo did all year. And I think it'll take a little bit more time to see how he develops. But Brian Greasy has a tall task ahead. And and for the 49ers, can this defense can this third rank defense that allowed only 300 yards per game and 21 points per game? that season um in the last season can they maintain this level uh the the i mean this intensity that they have 
And I uh, and I think with some of their picks, uh, with some of their picks that they got in the draft, um, take like Drake Jackson and to help in that position that D Ford missed out, it got let go by, as well as getting that Tyron Davis Price, um, running back from 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 LSU to incorporate him into that run game, help out with Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, who had a it down track for the Seahawks. You have you have re-signed DK Metcalf. You have and you are but you are ranked 23rd in the passing offense and 11th ranked rushing defense. Number one, stay healthy and build more on that run game. Now that you have Ken Walker the third, if you've seen his college tapes in Michigan State, you would have considered him to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. You gotta let the let them loose. Build more on that run game, and then allow for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And throw accurate balls to Metcalf if he can. Geno Smith and Drew Locke. It's not that hard. But then again, your backup quarterbacks. Do we really have that much faith in you? And 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 looking at your picks, the only one that you got is Charles Cross. And basically, your defensive quarterbacks need to step up. Cody Bryant and Tariq Woolen have a long. If they really want to um, take over that role that Sidney Jones had, or like any other corners, they have to step up. And last but not least, for the Cardinals, I got two things. Cliff Kingsbury, for the love of God, do not go full Texas Tech. Please do not go full Texas Tech by all means. You have to maintain that consistency that you're building in the early months of September to October. November and December are only going to be your two things because that's how, because, because historically you've done so bad. And Kyler Murray, read the film and do the homework. And and defense, you got to pressure more. That's all I have to say. These are like my main points that I that I have. Wonderful, wonderful analysis by you, uh, Rakshak. And so now we are going to talk about our boom and bust players from this division. From my side, I think Debo Samuel is going to have a boom year. And this is why. He is an easy target for Trey Lance. As you mentioned, you know, he's both a running back and wide receiver. And uh, this is why. In terms of the running back, he had 13 broken tackles from a a reception standpoint last year. That was second only to Najee coming out of the backfield. Um, And uh, he also had a average depth of target uh, statistic. Basically, it means... On every uh, pass play, how deep the wide receiver gets before the ball is thrown to him is what a dot or average depth of target means. And so his a dot value is 8.4 yards. And that is very high. So this basically means he's a chunk yard gain machine. And we can see that also because he has the fourth highest yak per reception or yards after catch per reception with 10.0 yards after the catch per reception which makes him fourth best in the league and so this is an easy target for Trey Lance because he allows Trey Lance to create those chunk plays and uh, also make sure that Debo Samuel carries the load of uh, progressing the football down the field because Trey Lance if he's throwing to Debo Samuel he doesn't necessarily have to throw for 60 yards before you get a 60-yard gain. He can throw for 20 yards, and then Debo Samuel can take that and make it into a 50-yard gain because that's what he does best. you know. And this is why it's such an easy target for Trey Lance because if you have those slants and hitch, uh, hitch routes and, and curl routes, all these that are short to medium routes that Debo Samuel can run, or if Debo Samuel's coming out of the backfield on those wheel routes or swing routes, this makes him uh this makes Debo Samuel an easy target and um Debo Samuel can take these type of easy throws from Trey Lance and turn them into much more positive gains and that's why I think Debo Samuel is going to be is going to have a boom year this year and he had a tremendous season last year but I think it's just going to be much better this year because Trey Lance can rely him uh, rely on him as the number one target and my bus player is Drew Locke simple Last year, the uh, whatever games he has played last year, he had a QBR of 23.4. 23.4 out of 100. 
He has utter flopped. And that is why he sucks and he's a backup QB. And the Sea Chickens are are definitely not the team to improve him. And that's why I just don't think Drew Locke is going to have a good year. He's just, he's a backup QB. This, this is what we've proven year after year after year from when he was drafted. He just doesn't have what it takes. Maybe he's good at coaching. We'll see. Um, you know, if he has that sort of a career for him. But he's just not a good starting QB. And uh, those are my players. What about you, Dakshak? Yes, definitely. However, I have a mix of uh, some boom and bust. Number one, I would think the best the best boom player we could see is Allen Robinson. The, the latest acquisition by the Rams. I mean, he signed a three-year, $46 million contract the, after spending four seasons with the Bears and also breaking in with the Jaguars. Yes, that actually happened, ladies and gentlemen. However, like the best part about, but although he did have like a very low year with 38 receptions, 410 yards and one touchdown, which is like scraping the barrel. I honestly think that his versatility, not only playing on the outside, but playing slot, this can create a lot more creative plays for the, the for that new offensive coordinator, Leon, offensive coordinator, Leon Cohen of the Rams to develop more, more gadget, more like, he can get more creative with new offensive plays like having Cooper with Cooper Cup and Robinson. And and now, like I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot more interesting to see if he can like Robinson can grasp that os- that offense and because of his um versatility. And this is a quote from Liam Cohen. He said that other than Robinson's versatility, the receiver's un- unbelievable ability to double you up at the point of attacking was one of the things that can really stood out. And he can also work edges on you. Me, like he will juke you or like pull any, some sort of double moves. And the fact that Robinson is like that, the Rams are able to get him with, with a guy having 112, 102 receptions, 1,250 yards, six touchdowns in 2020 before injuries and illnesses in 2021. But I, I honestly think he's going to have a lot more options if OBJ isn't re-signed and the Rams are not going to miss a chance to like not use him. <clears throat> Meaning he's going to be used, but it's going to be, it, but it's going to look more deadlier. And, and my bus player, you already took a quarterback with Drew Locke. I'm going to say Geno Smith. So with process of elimination... <laughs> G- it's like all Seattle QBs, but I'm going to say Geno Smith on this one. I mean, if you look at his stats, 702 yards, five touchdowns, one interception, QBR of 45.8. Dear Lord. I mean, he only has like, what, 58, 60% completion. And I honestly think that Geno Smith will get the start over Drew Locke because he's more familiar with the system that Pete Carroll runs, but... Honestly, even with with uh, with weapons like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, um, Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, Richard Penny, it, it, that offensive line with Charles Cross is not going to do that much. And with Pete Carroll as your coach, I don't see any improvement. And I honestly, I honestly feel for Geno Smith, but it's going to be a bust. He's going to bust. Alrighty, so that concludes our boom and bust uh, segment for this division, and that actually concludes our episode for today. So if you guys liked it, including the skit, and if you guys have any questions regarding that, if you guys want to make it funnier or not do that at all, uh, just let us know and hit us up at nflmasala at gmail.com, spelled as nflmasala at gmail.com. And we hope you guys have a great rest of the evening. So we're going to hit you guys with our signature outro. Go Pack Go! And fly, Eagles fly. Take care, guys, and have a good night.